Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Dave Ackman. Uh, let's talk about this past week, the Revolution with a 0-0 draw in New York against the Red Bulls to kick off uh, their 2007 postseason run. Uh, good result for the Revs, especially when you look around the league and see that every other higher seed lost uh, the first leg of the playoffs by a score of one to nothing. Uh, this means the Revs' uh, playoff playoff hopes will be completely decided on uh, uh, next Saturday's game at Gillette Stadium. R- really makes it kind of a one-game series. It's looking at it, looking at it uh, that way. Great opportunity for the Revs to advance now uh, against the Red Bull side that had their chances uh, last night. They just couldn't convert. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, New York at times was the better attacking team. I think both teams, you know, defended fairly well. But I think the Revs will definitely take that result, especially with no away goal rule mattering. Uh, a 0-0 draw is pretty good. And the Red Bulls in the first half in particular had uh, the better of the play. The second half, the Revs came out and seemed seemed inspired, especially in the start of the second half. The Revs really pushed forward, had a couple of chances there. Uh, couldn't really test John Conway uh, very dangerously. But the, the Revs, it seemed at halftime, Nickel made... Uh, some comment that really got the Revs going. Kano Smith played a very impressive performance defensively. Didn't have too much offensively, but there were uh, at least three or four good plays he made on the defense that uh, really took a lot of pressure off the back line. I remember one time Avery John was beaten, uh, and they were right through in the box, and Kano Smith made a great play there. It was great to see him come back there and play defense. Uh, makes his inconsistencies offensively easier to take when you see him playing uh, such a big role for the defense. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, in a game like that, uh, everyone has to really step up their game, especially defensively, if you're going to go for that 0-0 draw on the road. And I think he really, he really committed himself to the defensive effort and really showed well. And the Revs did have a few chances there. Taylor Twelman somehow got around Seth Stamler on a Shari Joseph through ball to slide in there. And I uh, got it right at John Conway, but that was a dangerous chance for the Revs because I don't think anyone was expecting Twelman to get to that ball, get anything on that ball. Uh, but overall, not too many chances for either side that really threatened either goalkeeper. Matt Reese made one big save on a Hunter Freeman shot from long range. Had he given up the rebound there, almost certainly Juan Pablo on hell was right there to put it away. Uh, which was good to see from Matt, because recently we have seen a couple him give up a couple of rebounds, and I believe the Revs have actually uh, lost six goals on, re- on rebounds this year. Uh, so overall, a much better defensive performance from the Revolution in this match than what we've seen in the past couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think Reese had a good game, especially early in the game. I think it was on Doe, the save up close. I thought that was a huge save. I mean, if you give up that goal the first couple minutes, that really would have changed the complexion of that game. So that was a huge save, I thought, too. So he had a pretty good game, actually. The defense as a whole really stepped up, I thought, in this game, as opposed to uh, what we've been seeing lately where they've been giving up these late goals. Uh, Avery John, Jay Heaps, both played a lot better than we've seen lately. Uh, Parkers, of course, had a good game. Uh, got a yellow card, actually committed two fouls, surprising from him. Uh, certainly smart fouls further up the field, No, not in real danger of uh, free kick chances. And on a guy like Juan Pablo Angel, who not only goes down easily, but is also a very dangerous player. 
Yeah, definitely. I think his yellow card was really a smart play. I think they had a, maybe a three-on-two or something developing after the set piece. So I thought that was a really smart play. You know, you take the yellow card, you set up, and you give him a shot from 30, 35 yards. I forget exactly how far it was. But, you know, it's not exactly a dangerous position as it would have been with uh, Altidore and Alan Hill streaking in pretty much. And one thing with Nickel that might have been a little surprising was is waiting till the 87th minute to use a substitution. But the way the game was going, I think... He was certainly happy to come away with a nothing with a zero-zero draw after the past two years where the Revs have gone into the home leg uh, down one goal. Uh, certainly happy with a zero-zero draw, but um, maybe in the case of Pat Noonan and Adam Christmas, it seemed like Noonan uh, slowed down further into the game. Maybe after the 60th minute, uh, kind of lost a step there. Uh, Noonan, I also thought was a little bit off in this game. His passing wasn't connecting as well with Twelman as we're used to seeing, and his passing overall wasn't made, wasn't as good as we've come to expect from him. Crispin off the bench. Doesn't really don't, don't really lose much in a game like this. Particularly, he's a guy that can get back and run and play a lot of de- defense. So a little surprising that Nickel waited that long to make the sub. Yeah, I think you know, especially with his uh, you know, not so great decision making either last night. I thought he had that one chance where he had the breakaway and had the chance to shoot, but instead you know tried to cross it on the ground towards Twelman. And I mean, I think those are the kind of plays where you know if he takes the shot, you know, Twelman's in a pretty good rebound position. You never know what happens that way. So you know, it wasn't Noonan's best game, but you know, I mean, they get the zero zero, and I'm not sure if. Chrisman would have scored a goal in that, so really, I mean, in the end, it ends up being okay. And it's also interesting to look at the substitutes Nickel chose to put on the bench, the two under-20 Gambian players, of course, making the bench over uh, a lot of rookies that have been with the team for uh, the entire season as opposed to these two players. So obviously Nickel has seen something in these two guys that makes him think they're ready. Didn't use them last night, probably won't use them in the playoffs, but just the fact that they're making the bench over uh, a lot of guys that have been with the team for the entire season or maybe even longer than that, uh, speaks highly of what Nickel what Nickel has seen in these two players. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if they're going to be here for a while, these, this kind of you know experience, I thought the crowd was you know really energetic, even though they only listed it at fourteen thousand. I mean, I thought they were pretty good. The fans were jumping and dancing. So you know, just being in that kind of environment, you know, especially after the summer they had at the World Cup, that's a that's a really good step for them. And it's interesting to see uh, the the Red Bulls lineup choices in that match. Putting Josie Altidore on the left side, Francis still has been a really inconsistent player. At times, Bruce Arena hasn't even put him on the bench for the Red Bulls. Uh, a player that doesn't pass the ball much seems when he has a chance, he's going to go for goal, uh, whether there are better options available or not. And he, he certainly caused the Revs some problems, as you mentioned, that shot early on. A very speedy player, a guy that's hard to keep up with. But it was interesting to see that Bruce Arena would put Josie Altidore back on the left flank, uh, where he did have some success. And Wells Thompson really seemed was playing more defensively, possibly because of that. But interesting decision there, and because he's played so well up top with Juan Pablo on how. Yeah, I thought, you know, it seemed like the Red Bulls were going all out to try to get a goal. I thought, you know, I mean, when you look at their subs, they bring in Mathis, you know, they, they take out Vandenberg, bring in Leach. I mean, maybe just, you know, give Altidore a little bit more help on that left wing to let him push forward a little more. So, I, you know, I thought, you know, it made it pretty obvious that Arena was really just trying to get a goal and bring it back to New England up the head. So, you know, they're going to, you know, bring out a more offensive lineup. And they changed up the defense with Seth Stamler in the back as opposed to Carlos Mendez. I think that was a smart move from Bruce Arena. Mendez hasn't had too much success against the Reds. If you remember that long own goal from the a couple a little while ago, maybe more of that blame should go on John Conway. Uh, but still, uh, it seems like a more sound defensive pairing uh, for the Red Bulls, particularly against the Revs and Seth Stamler and Jeff Park. Uh, as opposed to Carlos Mendez back there. Uh, probably a good move by Bruce Arena. And really, the Revs didn't have too many chances, so they'd have to be happy defensively with their performance. Yeah, definitely. I think Stamler brings a, uh, Stamler brings a little bit more of a, a physical game to his uh, defending tactics. I thought, you know, even on Twelman's half chance that he had there, you know, he was really muscling him around, not giving him great position. So, you know, that's another quality that he brings that, you know, just changes the way that that game's played. 
Claudio Reyna making his return from injury, put in a pretty good performance, especially defensively. I remember a few times when he was able to get in front of the Revolution player. I think Shari Joseph at one point when he had a chance down the wing uh, was able to shield him off the ball. Uh, considering the injuries he's had in uh, his recent return, uh, he put in a very good performance for the Red Bulls. A, a player that some people have talked about is not being the, you know, not not doing as much as they'd hoped for a designated player, but really last night I thought he showed well in that game. Yeah, he might not be putting up the stats that you know you might expect from a guy you know that you bring over as a designated player, but he's doing a lot of the little stuff. Uh, you know, there was a couple times when even if he didn't get the ball, you know, he slowed him down enough to to make Joseph make a small back pass rather than you know going forward to Twelman. So you know he was in the way enough that it really helped the team. It'll be interesting to see what changes, if any, the Red Bulls make to the lineup going into New England. Obviously, they're going to need a win there to advance. Uh, but going to the Revolution's home field, obviously the Reds are going to play more attacking, you would hope, than they had in that, in that match. Uh, and it will be interesting to see if the Red Bulls chose, chose, choose to go with such an attacking lineup once again, uh, or if they make some defensive moves, maybe pushing Carlos Mendes back in the lineup, putting Seth Stamler uh, in the midfield to make a more defensive posture. Uh, I have a feeling that they won't, though. Uh, with the way that lineup works, and it'll make for a very interesting game in New England. Yeah, I think if uh, if you see New York not make too many changes, that really is going to be a wide-open game, because you can tell the Revs really tend to play more attacking at home, whether it's the fans or just the overall mentality at being at home. You know, it really changes the way they play, so if that's the lineup, it's going to be an up-and-down kind of game. Yeah, also interesting, uh, Ron Waters, the goalkeeper for the Red Bulls, who started a lot of the games to start the season, wasn't even on the bench for this match. Uh, a lot of people have predicted he would be starting, John Conway, I think, has performed better than him recently. But it's, it's interesting to see that he's fallen so far off the depth charts that he wasn't even on the subs bench. I don't know if he had a minor injury that was plaguing him there. But that was another interesting move by Bruce Arena to not even have him on that, that bench because he's a veteran presence on the goal that uh, you'd think he'd rather rely on in the playoffs than a guy like Danny Sapiro. Yeah, I mean, I thought Waters really showed himself well. I forget how, you know, when it was early in the season, but he was averaging, you know, under a half a goal a game or so. So, I mean, he really showed that he can play in this league. So, you know, maybe this is an injury and maybe it's just, uh, I don't know. And it was funny listening to the uh, announcers of the game talking about the Red Bulls saying they were in good form going to the playoffs, uh, despite their one win in seven uh, in the past seven games. <laughs> uh, I think I might disagree with that assessment, somehow spinning that as being a uh, good form for the Red Bulls. The Revs, of course, themselves not in the best form going to the playoffs, but uh, defensively is where the true rallies are, have been for the Revs lately, and certainly they showed better last night. Uh, once the offense gets back on track, which I expect it will at uh, Gillette Stadium, it, sh- it should make for a very good game uh, against those Red Bulls. That game, of course, 7.30 uh, on Saturday night at Gillette Stadium, uh, it should be an excellent opportunity for the Revs to advance. And, go- of course, going in the other playoff match, the Chicago Fire DC United in the East, Chicago winning that game one to nothing. Uh, that second leg taking place on Thursday night on ESPN2. Uh, should Chicago win in that series, that should, and should the Revolution win, that, that Eastern Conference final will be in New England. Yeah, I think, you know, getting that uh, early Chicago win in the first, you know, really got to boost the spirits of the Revolution. I mean, you know, you get a home playoff game in the next round, that's a really big boost. So, I mean, that Rolf goal, Rolf goal was really nice. So, you know, that's a great result for them. And, of course, the Reds would much rather be playing in, at home than they would uh, in D.C. should they should they advance past the Red Bulls. Of course, that series is not over. Uh, uh, of course, Bruce Arena is going to be disappointed to uh, be leaving his his home stadium with, without any kind of a lead there. The Red Bulls are obviously showing some disappointing after that match. But they showed well in that game. And should they play as well as they did in that match, they will have a chance going into New England to play uh, on the field turf. Similar surface there. will make for a very exciting game. 
Yeah, I think, you know, there was every chance for New York to get a goal in that game. So, I mean, if you're Bruce Arena, you just say, hey, it's halftime. If we just keep playing the way we played this, you know, the first half, you know, you're going to have a good chance to win that. It's up to the Revs to maybe take a couple more attacking chances and just try to hope to get one goal or get two goals and move on. You know, there was a lot of complaining to the referees in that match from both sides. Uh, Rebels with a couple of penalty shots. Uh, I would have to say that the ref made the right decision based on the replays there. Of course, with Avery Johns, with Avery Johns handball, I don't know how intentional that was, but there's no doubt that he was being fouled and that play dragged to the ground. Uh, when Josie Altidore went down, uh, Michael Parkers actually did did kick him before the play, uh, but he was certainly stayed up after that, turned around with the ball, and then fell. Didn't really seem like there was much contact there when the actual time he did fall. So it would have been hard for the ref to call that, particularly in the position where he was not in a great score, not a great goal scoring chance as it was. I know on Hell went down to the box as well. Uh, that as well didn't seem like there were too much contact. He went down pretty easily. So I thought the referees did an overall very good game in this first playoff match. Yeah, and he had a tough environment. I mean, those Red Bull fans were really loud and vocal anytime a call was made or not made, or anytime even a call was made for the Revs. You know, I mean, they really got on that ref, and I thought he did a good job holding his composure, making the right calls, and not really getting swayed in a tough environment. And even made the right play a couple times by letting him play on, maybe not necessarily on the play with uh, Avery John, where the foul at the top of the box, we went back and gave him the yellow card. Probably would have been a better opportunity for the Red Bulls there uh, with a dangerous free kick chance. But I thought the referee did did a good job there as well, going going back, giving the yellow card. Same with uh, the Jeff Park uh, arguing earlier there. Uh, did it, kept the game in good control. There was some pushing and shoving that went around, that went on earlier in the match. Um, nothing really escalated from that, which as we've seen in the past in playoff games can happen. Uh, that that especially was important to see that uh, nothing nothing turned out of that that uh, shoving match there. Yeah, definitely. I thought, you know, I mean, there was, you know, a lot of the Red Bulls players were even running over to the lines and trying to get, you know, a card brought out. So I thought the ref did a good job, you know, just trying to keep the composure for everyone on the field and really, you know, trying to keep control of the game. It was definitely a good result uh, for the Revs coming away with that 0-0 draw uh, from the away leg. As I mentioned, the other the other three matches, the first leg, the home team won by a score of one to nothing. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. We are going to go to a break now. Uh, and then we'll be back with Boston Globe writer Frank DeLapa. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. The National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta.
And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue here, joined by uh, Dave Ackman in studio. And now over the phone, we have Frank DeLapa of the Boston Globe. Frank, can you hear me? Yes, good. I'm good, Sean. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Sure. Good to be with you. Uh, the Revs last night, as we mentioned, coming away with a 0-0 draw against the Red Bulls. Uh, it seemed like Nickel kind of came out there uh, with the team playing in kind of a defensive strategy there. Uh, will he be happy with the 0-0 result? Yeah, he was really happy with it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, normally uh, you don't see that from them. And uh, they, they really came out, and, and you're right, they just really played defense, and that's uh, especially for the first half. I think they opened up a little bit in the second half, but... That's what they wanted to do, and they did it, and then they, now they come home. So it was actually a pretty good strategy. And with the result going the, uh, the way of the Revs, the 0-0, uh, now they're coming to New England just needing to get the win uh, to advance. Uh, how, how, how good of a setup is this for the Revs uh, as compared to the past few years where they've had to come in, ho- come in at home, uh, falling behind by a goal at home after already le- losing uh, one nothing going into the leg? Does this put them in more of a relaxed state going into that match? Yeah, I think that's right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, look, especially in soccer, it's much easier to to uh, destroy than it is to create. So they actually conserved a lot of energy instead of, like, you know, game and really trying to play. Uh, you know, it takes a lot out of you. I mean, they came, they came out of those last two years, those games, were they were banged up. Banged up. You know, guys were really hurt. And uh, a lot of that is because the other team did what, what the Revolution did last night. And they just... just uh, Really defended really hard, very aggressively. I don't know if you remember two years ago, Shalry Joseph was taken out, you know, in the first uh, minutes of the game and uh, was never the same for the whole playoffs. Clint Dempsey was taken out in the first uh, playoff game last year and never recovered, you know, barely got back for the final. And uh, so, yeah, they're, they're much more optimistic and in much better physical health. They, they conserved a lot of energy and, and, and preserved themselves. Were you surprised at all by the Red Bull strategy, uh, making a few lineup changes that going into this match with Stanley moving into the back, uh, out the door on the left wing, Francis Doe back in the lineup? A little bit surprised. But I mean, I think he had out the door out there because he wanted to have three forwards. And Bruce Arena, you know, is a really, you know, probably the best uh, U.S. Uh, coach as far as tactics goes. And uh, you know, he really wanted to get as much offense out there as he could. And even Seth Stanley is sort of, uh, you know, pretty good with the ball. And so he. He uh, is not not a pure defender, so I, I think he really wanted to get a couple goals if he possibly could. And you know, Bruce uh, Arena, give him credit. You, you know, he was really trying to do that. It didn't happen, though. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the way you know these these things are set up, you get rewarded for for defending, and that's what uh, the Revolution did, and they learned that over the last couple of years. Well, looking at that, uh, is, would you like to see the uh, MLS possibly implement a, an away goals rule, which would make uh, a zero zero draw not not as favorable for a team? Yeah, I think so. I think I don't think it would have helped last night, but I think it, overall it would help in the long run for sure. Uh, the other games you saw were all one to one nothing games, and uh, you would have seen the other teams, the the visiting teams, uh, you know, they're probably happy only losing one to nothing, really, because uh, they're coming home and they're pretty strong. DC United, Chivas, and uh, um, Houston. So uh, I think they would have had to, you know, try to get some goals because. You know, uh, you lose one to nothing away, and uh, those away goals, you need, you need away goals. And uh, they, they didn't get them, but they, they, they're coming back uh, fairly, you know, not, not in too bad a shape, but 1-0, one, 1-0, one, one to nothing. And the uh, Revolution's in great shape, actually, at 0-0. Zero, zero. And going back to uh, the other three games going along, uh, Chicago being D.C. 1-0, as you mentioned, uh, do you think that 
obviously that's an important game for uh, from a Revolution perspective. Should the Revs advance uh, in Chicago, advance the game will be home as opposed to uh, having to play in D.C. Should D.C. advance? Do you think that one nothing lead for Chicago is going to be enough for them to hold on to going into D.C.? Good question. You know, it, it, it's going to be tough. Although they seem to have D.C.'s number uh, in the playoffs. I don't think they've uh, even given up a goal to D.C. But I think D.C.'s a little bit different team this year. And uh, you're right, Sean, that uh, looking ahead, uh, that's a key, key thing for the Revolution because D.C. would, you know, be the home team next week, uh, you know, the two weeks from now. And uh, uh, that's going to be a tough game for uh, whoever plays there. Uh, certainly it looks like the Revolution should be able to get through. But that's going to be a very difficult game, whereas it could be they play Chicago at home. Uh, is one goal enough? Uh, you know, it really might be with, uh, you know, Cuauhtémoc Blanco out there. And, uh, you know, Chicago's pretty pretty smart. They can defend, and uh, they're, they're a rough team. I mean, they, they beat up the Revolution last year, you know, and uh, that's uh, what you need to do sometimes, and they can do that. And with Blanco, they can hold on to the ball a little bit. And a couple of new guys like uh, Wilman Conde, that guy's a really good player. So, you know, that gives them a little extra. And so, yeah, I think, I think it could hold up. Uh, I wouldn't want to bet against D.C., though. And another thing, looking ahead to the to the potential Eastern Conference matchup, uh, do you think it puts the Revs or the Red Bulls, whichever team advances, at a disadvantage in that game? Having that game take place on on Thursday night, uh, so it can be aired on ESPN too, is uh, where DC and Chicago, the winner of that match, will have a full week's rest. Uh, the winner of the Revs Red Bulls match. Uh, we'll have to play on Thursday after playing Saturday? Absolutely, yeah. That's a slight disadvantage. Uh, could be a big disadvantage, uh, you know, depending on how, how uh, tough the second game is. And, again, it goes back to, I think, the Revolution was, you know, it was uh, very interesting to see them play that way because they usually come out, you know, full board. They're, they're creating all the offense. Guys are running like mad. They're, they're taking all the hits. And uh, the way it's set up, if they, you know, they, they conserved a little energy there. So, yeah, would, they would be at a disadvantage. But, uh, you know, not... Uh, you know, just they'll just uh, won't be as bad this time around. So they, they definitely have a lot less days rest than the other team. But at least I think they've conserved enough energy. You know, just in that first game, that if they have a decent game, get through it 90 minutes. If that go 120 minutes, you know, maybe penalty kicks, uh, they, they could be okay by the next Thursday. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if it's a tough game and they go 120 minutes, sure, sure, they're going to be at a big disadvantage. Yeah, particularly if they do have to end up traveling for that match. But it just seems like a uh, questionable decision by the schedule makers there to give one team a week's rest and one team uh, so little rest. Maybe it would have been better to have the Western Conference champs have equal rest going into that game as opposed to having the Eastern Conference championship that night. Uh, obviously, they're not going to change that now, but uh, a little surprising for that match. Uh, but what, what do you see coming up this upcoming weekend at Gillette Stadium? Uh, is this a match the Revolution are going to be able to uh, come out and play their style of game? They, they didn't play their style of game in New York. Uh, probably due to a coaching decision, but is this is this again that they should be able to uh, impose their style on? Yeah, I think so. I think they really actually you know, they played it right. I mean, they, they were having a little problems defensively, and they kind of needed to get that straight. So now I think they'll be a lot more confident going forward. And uh, you know, New York's uh, you know they got they got some big questions because they couldn't break these guys down at all. So the Revolution just plays a little bit of offense. I mean, these guys like uh, the Cono Smith, uh, who's not known to play defense, was was very good defensively. You know, if you, uh, so that shows that they can actually do it. It's just that uh, the Revolution set up to attack. You know, Wells Thompson on the other side uh, is a young player, but his positioning was really good. You know, and he defended like uh, very, very well. Uh, they didn't, they didn't get those guys to defend. You know, nobody. You know, Connell Smith is not a the guy that they, they didn't pick him up because he's a good defensive player, but but he can do it. So I think 
they'll they'll have that in mind, you know, that they can, they can defend, and New York has that in mind too. So they'll be able to go forward, I think, with a lot more confidence and, and play their game, and they should be they should be okay. And on the other side, the Red Bulls. I know Juan Pablo Angel after the match was complaining about the the style of play they kind of had, uh, using a lot of long balls over the top. Uh, was what he was saying. Uh, obviously, not playing to his strengths there, but with the lineup the Red Bulls put out, uh, not too many really midfielders out there, more of attacking players. And uh, was that maybe a mistake by Arena almost to to play uh, more of a defensive-minded midfield with uh, several attacking players out there as well? Yeah, I think, you know, Claudio Reyna is, you know, maybe the best uh, midfielder the U.S. has produced, but he ends up playing way back, like you say, in almost in a defensive midfield position. He's so far back, he's defending that, uh, you know, he loses his effectiveness. And uh, so uh, Angel, I know Juan Pablo Angel, I think, ends up coming back and getting the ball, you know, at the halfway line. Like, a long ways to go if he's going to score a goal. He needs to be, you know, near the goal. Then he's, then he's very dangerous. But if he's not near the goal, like, you know, 70 80% of the time, you know, it makes it a lot easier. So he, he has a good point, uh, you know. So uh, did he make a mistake? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what, what, what they have to work with there. But, uh, yeah, maybe he needs to get Clint Mathis in there and some guys to drive the midfield a little more. He put him in real late. Maybe he needed to have him in there earlier. And I'm looking at some of the uh, other matches throughout the week. Uh, it seems like the attendance has been up in the playoffs. The attendance usually goes down from the regular season in the playoffs. The Red Bull is getting a pretty good crowd uh, by their standards for a playoff match. Uh, obviously, Chicago with a great crowd on a Thursday night. Only only know about that game five games beforehand. Uh, what do you think it is that has resulted in these better attendances for these playoff matches? Well, I think in Chicago, it's Blanco. You know, he's he's uh, kicked it up. And, they, you know, the team's done really well since he's gotten there. He's, he's a figure everybody wants to watch him play. And, you know, the team's very interesting now. So uh, I think, you know, Chicago's got a huge population and uh, a huge, uh, you know, sports uh uh, following in soccer, definitely. So you know that the potential's there. So and New England has it too, and, and we've seen it. Uh, you know, I think they, the Revolution played the Red Sox had that playoff game uh, last week, and they got twenty two thousand for the Revolution uh, going on two weeks ago now. So uh, yeah, I, I think maybe they're turning the corner on the attendance deal. Uh, even though there's less time to sell these games at the end of the season and the, the playoffs, uh, people are coming out. I think people are, are interested. Uh, the Beckham factor, a lot of things kind of kicked it in, you know, and uh, I think the league's a little bit better now. You know, it's it's worth watching, and people kind of know what's at stake. So what do you see going into the uh, second leg of these playoffs? Uh, you got the Revolution obviously tied with the Red Bulls. Uh, the three other higher-seeded teams all down a goal. Uh, do you think we're going to be any, any upsets from these series? Well, I picked uh, Kansas City to beat Chivas, and... Uh, they, they they could still do it, you know. Uh, that that's the one. I don't see uh, Dallas getting past Houston. I think Houston's uh, going to get to the final for sure. And uh, you could say the Western Conference has a little bit of an easier route to get there, too. By the way, uh, and I think uh, you know Chicago has a real good chance to upset DC. Uh, even though, uh, like we say, you know DC is definitely the favorite there. They've, they've got the home field advantage all the way to the to the final now. So. You know, it's set up for them. If they if they don't go through, then they they got to ask some big questions about what's going on there. I'm kind of changing the subject a little bit. Something that I've been noticing this year, I don't know if you noticed it as well. It seems that uh, a lot more this year, player will get fouled, go down and grab the ball, kind of forcing the referee into making a decision there. Uh, something that you've seen more in the past from some of the veteran players, maybe a guy like Blanc would do it. Now it seems like you see it a lot more throughout the league as a whole. Uh, throughout soccer as a whole, almost. Is that something that you think might become a problem for MLS with uh, players going down and fouling and forcing the referee to make that call by grabbing onto the ball? 
Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I, I guess I haven't noticed it that much, but, uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think there is probably a lot of trying to influence the referees. I mean, the referees have really, really struggled, uh, especially with the veteran players. You, if you watch, uh, you really should put, like, a, just a sole, uh, you know, a, a mini cam on, uh, on hell. That guy is, you know, he's getting away with stuff all day, and it's really incredible, and I don't think the referees are quite up to it. So guys are... Are sort of like you know what they say they try to help the referee out a little bit, uh, and you know they, they don't see a lot of those little crips, and uh, so it doesn't take much to, to trip a guy up and knock him down, you know, and, and make it look like he didn't do it, and uh, that's going on, and I think that's what happens, and the guy goes down and grabs the ball. Now sometimes he's not getting tripped up, you know, so uh, it's a tough call for the referee, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know, you, you know, I, I think uh, the referees have to have to have to sort of lay down the law on, on how they're going to call that. And basically let the players know before the game, you know, right away, you know, like if they're going to put up with that or not, or if they, if they you know, they, they make mistakes too. They have to let the, the players know that they're not going to, you know, continually make mistakes and that they acknowledge that they made a mistake and they'll try to, uh, you know, do better next time. That's, that's basically all there is to it, uh, that they've got to let the players know uh, how they're going to call that. Yeah, I agree with you for sure on that. Uh, I've seen a couple times where a ref has actually called a handball on that, but it seems more often than not they just give the foul to the uh, player that went down and grabbed the ball. Uh, again, going into this game this weekend, uh, Revs, Red Bulls, uh, so Andy Dorman played no part in the first leg. He's been a guy that started off the season, the first half of the season, was a legitimate candidate for the best 11 of the league, to, uh, kind of trailed off a little bit in his form there. Uh, we didn't see him this, this week. Do you think that he'll play a, a role in this upcoming game? Well, he doesn't replace uh, right now. It looks like basically what's happened is Wells Thompson is in there on the right, and, and Steve Ralston's in the middle. And, uh, you know, I think Andy's game is more of sort of like a one-touch and, and run, you know, and try to find space. And uh, they need they need somebody in the middle that can hold on to the ball. And Ralston's the guy. So, you know, it's not really Andy's fault the way it's set up. Uh, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's set up for him, you know. Uh, he, he has a better chance of, of playing instead of Jeff Laurentowitz in, the, in that sense. I think he'd be really good in that role, actually. But, but Jeff Laurentowitz, as a, as a ball winner, has done really well. So I think they're going to stay. They're not going to change that. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't really see what Andy's place is right now. It's, uh, it, it's unbelievable. Like you said, since July 14th, I think he scored his last goal. He had seven goals at the time. He was sort of on a pace to, you know, score a whole lot of goals, and uh, and it just hasn't happened since then. I think, uh, you know. The coaches just decided they got to make a change because it's not working, whether it's his fault or whatever. You know, it might be a case of uh, motivation with him. You know, he probably should have made the all-star team. I mean, there's really no reason that he shouldn't have, at least. And, uh, you know, that's a bonus. It's, uh, you know, it's 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 uh, encouragement. It's all that stuff. He didn't make it, and that was on the 4th of July. And after that, he just kind of tailed off. So, you know, it's a really good question. Uh, you know, he's not making that much money now, so... Um, you know, any kind of bonus he can get or, or, or something that helps his salary, you know, I think he probably needs that right now. Uh, you know, a lot of players in this league do tail off if, they're, if they don't get the rewards. Well, that's another good point. And we saw Sharwood Joseph get uh, re-signed two weeks ago, and him and Jay Heaps. Uh, of course, Joseph, their contract disputes at the start of the season. Uh, from what we've heard, it sounds like Dorman's contract is up at the end of the season as well. Yeah, you're right. Is, is he a guy that you think will be back next year? I think he will. You know, I think he can make some money uh, in Europe anyway. I mean, a lot more money than he's making here. I mean, we're talking ten or twenty times what he's making here. So I think he should go there. He's got, you know, he's British citizen. He could, he could uh, get in uh, in one of the top uh, flights, if not the premiership in, in England. Maybe not the premier, but he'd, ma- he'd be making a lot more money. So 
I think he should do that, but but I don't think he, he wants to. I think he likes it here. He'd sell for you know a decent raise here, and and I think he he could get it. You know, even even though he hasn't uh, uh, you know justified it so much in recent games, I, I think he should. He wants to stay, and I think we'll probably see him back. And for the uh, final comment there with the Revs uh, bench, we saw the two Gambian players on the bench uh, over some of the other rookies that have been with the team the entire season, guys like Loftus uh, and guys like uh, Brian Byrne, who have been with the team uh, almost since the beginning of the year. These two guys come in, have earned a spot in the bench, uh, for maybe not going to play a role in these playoffs, but do you think that speaks to the impact that they've made or what they've shown Coach Nickel and uh, Paul Mariner coming into the season? Yeah, you know, the way it's set up, only 14 guys play. Maybe maybe uh, that 15th guy gets in there. So uh, those guys are really just practice players. I mean, they're, they're, I think four of them are going to have pretty good futures, and they, they'll be starters and, and play a pretty long time as professionals. Uh, which ones, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think uh, Igwe is another one. I mean, Igwe, very good player. He hasn't come close to getting on the team, you know, but he's really good, I think, and he's very young. You know, uh, and what they've done is they've, I think they've made the practices a lot better. You see that, uh, in all sports, it's certainly, uh, you know, well, in sports like basketball and, uh, ice hockey and soccer, certainly the best teams in the world in soccer have really good players on the bench and their, their training sessions are really good. You know, guys are going, they're going against really good players every day and they, they practice that way. They play games. They play all sorts of different games and that's, I think it's really helped the team, uh, burn really really good and and uh you know maybe he'll never be a real star in the league but he's he's a pretty good player and uh, some of those guys are going to emerge uh, like you say the gambian players are i think one or, one or both of those guys might emerge you know within a year or two and i think it shows too with the uh, better reserve division results this year after kind of a poor season from the reserves last year finishing in second place uh, in the reserve league this year uh shows to the quality of some of these younger guys that maybe haven't seen any time with the first team but uh, possibly could in the, in the future. Of course, with Jeff Lorenowitz, his first season uh, spent all with the reserves. Uh, look what he's doing now for the Revs. So certainly some players to watch down there. Uh, we, we will let you go in just a second here, but before we do, do you have uh, any plans upcoming for uh, the, either the Globe or uh, ESPN Soccer Net? Yeah, good question, Sean. I guess uh, we're going to just sort of see what, what happens. I think I'd like to write about what uh, you, know, you, you brought up earlier was the away goal thing. That really changes the dynamic, and I think we should probably look at the league should look at doing that. Uh, the, the playoffs are still still inconsistent. You don't have away goals, I and mean, that just changes the whole dynamic. One team scores, then the other team just has to has to score, you know, and, and it doesn't turn into this this chess match of 180 minutes, maybe uh, 210 minutes, you know, a total chess match. It's it's uh, once that first goal scored, the whole dynamic will look bad, and you know, then the second round like is. Uh, a one-game deal. You you go from a home and away series to a one-game thing. That's inconsistent. So, I think they need to get that straightened out. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Okay, good, John. Good to talk to you. And keep up the great work. Okay, thanks. And you uh, okay. And that was Frank Delapa, the soccer writer for the Boston Globe. Uh, traveled down to New York for that game. Uh, we were going to take another break now, and then we'll be back with Jim Dow, uh, writer for RevsNet.com. <laughs>
National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in the studio by Dave Ackman. Now over the phone, we're joined by Jim Dow, writer for ResNet.com. Jim, can you hear me? I can, I can. How are you? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, what, what did you see in that game last night from the Revs? It seemed like they took a defensive posture uh, from, the, from the beginning of the match there. Do you think they got what they wanted coming out of there with a 0-0 draw? Well, I think they couldn't have taken much more of a defensive posture if they had brought uh, you know, six truckloads of bricks and set them up in front of the goal. Um, but I think that's exactly what they intended to do. Um, you know, we're at the point in the season now where uh, you simply can't make any mistakes. If you do, you go home. And because this team has certainly, over the over the bulk of the season, set a kind of a a, a style of of making a few mistakes when they try to go forward. Uh, by that I mean defensive mistakes. I think they just basically packed it in and 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 will come back home and uh, try to get a goal. And the Red Bulls obviously coming out with a very offensive lineup yeah. there with the three forwards almost coming out there with uh, Altidore on the left wing, uh, really not playing much defense there. Uh, but Wells Thompson and the Revs weren't really able to exploit that going forward. Uh, were you surprised that they didn't really take, try to take advantage of that, or was that more of their the, the defensive posture that they were going in there? I think it was a combination of both. I think... You know, anyone who's played uh, any kind of, of competitive sport at any level knows that if you if you start on your back foot, that is to say, if you're conscious of always conscious of needing to go back, um, and in soccer, of course, defensively mostly is going back. Uh, it's very very hard to get a to get a jump on anybody, and especially at the level you know of, of uh, top level professional soccer, where the the guy opposite you is is going to be probably just as fast, if not maybe even a little faster than you are. So I think that uh, players like Thompson and Kano Smith and so forth, who who I think particularly Kano played very, very well defensively, uh, you know, they were clearly not playing, uh, not making the, the, the final break. Uh, you know, they were always conscious of, of needing to, to cover up that space behind them. Is that a matchup that uh, the Revs should be able to exploit going on the home leg uh, on the left side of the defense there? Uh, with Alzadori on the in the midfield. Well, I don't know. That's what's going to be so interesting because uh, in order to win this uh, series, some team has to score a goal, and neither of these teams are um, 
you know, unflawed. And and one of the the problems that that both of these teams have is is that they, if they go forward, they they leave space open in the back. Um, New York seem to play uh, better defensively than they usually do in the back. They seem to to be much more coordinated. And whether that's a you know, whether they've been working on that and they've finally come to a higher level or not, I can't say. But the point is that uh, I think both teams will be will have to take chances to try to win the game unless they just decide to grind down and, you know, play for, uh, play for a tie and uh, penalties and so forth. But I, uh, uh, you know, I think that... We could either see like a four-four game uh, on Saturday, or or m- more of this nil-nil, one-nothing stuff. And the Revolution, uh, not not quick to their status bench um, last night. That might have been part of their their strategy there with the defensive lineup, not really wanting to change things up from what was working. Uh, is, is that going to be something that we that you'd expect to change maybe going into this matchup? Maybe see Andy Dormer off the bench uh, or some of these guys a little bit earlier in the match. It seemed like Pat Noonan. Uh, wasn't in the best of form for that game. A lot of his passes were offline, but they still waited a long time to bring in. Uh, I think I think when you play the Red Bulls, uh, you have to play Pat Noonan unless he's uh, you know got a, a nine-inch uh, incision in his leg, uh, you know, because he has just over the years been such a killer of New York. Um, I think Noonan was left on because you just never know. He he's, he he isn't a quiet player in the sense that he does a lot of other things besides just score goals and 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 do his offensive cutbacks and stuff. But the fact is, against New York, he's he's just been dominant over the years. So I suspect there was a uh, a bit of that, just leaving him in, and maybe you're going to catch a little magic at some point during the during the game. You know, when he and uh, I think there were a couple of times, at least in the. I didn't see the whole game yet. I've, I've been watching it on tape. Um, there were a couple times where he and Twelman did a couple of little interchanges that, you know, on another night would have led to one or, or the other of them walking in uh, completely alone with the ball. It just didn't happen. So I think Noonan gets, you know, you've you got to leave Noonan in against uh, New York. And we talked about uh, the defensive shape of the Revs. Kano Smith playing a lot of defense in that game and playing it, playing a very... Very well, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, defensive defensive moves there. Made three or four really key plays there, uh, getting back on defense and stopping some really good chances for the Red Bulls. Uh, is, do you think that's something that the Revs have really been working on lately? Because uh, it, it seemed especially he was getting back a lot more than we'd normally see and more successful at it. Well, I think, number one, he's told he's, he's, he's got to. I think in, in uh, when when they play up here or when they play when the matchups are, are, are different, when the teams that they're playing are different, I think he's, he's given... He's given his head because you know the fact is that that he does pull one, two, three spectacular plays off in a game. Um, but I think in this particular case, he was uh, he was basically chained to uh, you know the middle line and and told uh, just do not let anybody get behind you. And of course, with his speed, I don't think there is. Uh, you know, unless he makes a terrible mistake or falls down, I don't think there are many players in the league who can get behind him. Well, certainly with the Red Bulls against a guy like Dane Richards, that's a pretty good matchup for speed. Yeah. But uh, the, the few chances that Smith did have going forward, uh, he made one really nice cross to Twelman that just got cut off there. Uh, a couple of other chances he probably should have done better with. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of the inconsistencies we've seen from him offensively. Made up for it, though, with the defensive work rate. It'll be interesting to see coming into to, uh, New England uh, if he picks it up on the offensive end. But going forward into that match, do you see... Uh, maybe the Red Bulls as a team going with the defensive posture more, maybe not playing that, that three-forward formation, uh, change, changing the game a little bit? I don't know. That'll be interesting because I, I thought, uh, you know, I, as I say, I, hadn't, I haven't seen the whole game. I saw the first half and I saw the last 
uh, 10 or 15 minutes. But I didn't see the, the part of the second half where the refs uh, uh, were, certainly they were saying in the in the interviews after the match that the refs really picked it up at that point. But certainly the Red Bulls could have had two goals in the first 10 minutes. Not that they, not that the revolution necessarily played sloppily, um, because in fact Reese made a beautiful save and there were a couple of other wonderful uh, defensive uh, clearances at the last moment uh, at that point too. But the Red Bulls were really, really moving and really, really clicking. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it, at this level, it's, People can get goals out of nothing. We certainly saw that against Toronto. People can get goals out of nothing. And the Red Bulls are a team that, that has a lot of, of terrific skill. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what they're going to, what they're going to decide to do. I think Arena, you know, there was a, there was a, a piece in, uh, one of the, uh, soccer columns today, uh, online, and I forget which one it was, that apparently, uh, Arena, um, really quite angered on hell with some, some very, very pointed remarks about his play after the game that he didn't, you know, he didn't hold the ball up. He didn't, he didn't show for it. And on hell, I guess, has quite a, 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 a long history of uh, taking offense uh, when, when coaches criticize him publicly. So all may not be a happy camp in Red Bull land. Yeah, it was interesting after the match. We mentioned a little bit earlier on how was complaining about the style of play that the Red Bulls played, really playing long balls and talking about how it didn't, didn't work to uh, his, his advantage or the, the way he's good at playing. So, uh, as you mentioned, maybe some controversy there between uh, or some conflict there between Arena and on hell that good for the revolution and to see their best player and their coach not uh, getting along too well. Right. Well, I think that there's a little bit of a disingenuousness in that on on hell's part because I, I, I seem to remember the tying goal against the revolution was a very long ball that he knocked down, took one touch, and zopped right by Reese. So I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, but I think all may not be happy in, in Red Bull land. And I was just reading your recent article uh, where you interviewed Paul Mariner there. Uh, interesting article. What did you find from uh, Mariner as far as uh, what he said about the revolution's defensive mistakes? Well, I think I think Mariner feels very strongly that that it's a question of of lack of attention, and and you know this brings up an interesting point, which which I didn't ask ask Mariner about, but which I which I'm going to try to write about in the next week or so, and that is in the playoffs when the stakes are much higher. You know, the players are now pe- playing for real money. Um, of course, all all the kind of attention and all the kind of, of close marking that is sometimes missing in the regular season comes into play, and so you see a lot of these zero zero one nothing games uh, where where one goal wins it, one mistake wins it. Whereas in the regular season, often games are you know like three to two or or whatever that might whatever they might be. And I'm wondering for the fans. Um, how much of uh, if the the fans may actually prefer watching regular season soccer, um, and I'm also wondering what goes through in the players' minds. Do they just do they amp it up because they know they're at the end of the season? Do they amp it up because they know there's more money involved? And what would happen, say in MLS, if if we had a, a, a wins bonus situation, so that players who are making say fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars, which is not very much for a professional athlete, with a with a with a good wins record, might might go up to to triple figures? Uh, what would that do to the game? How much would it change the game? Because certainly when you watch the Champions League. Um, or when you watch uh, end-of-the-season games in any league in the world, or when you watch the World Cup or European Cup, most of the games are terrible. You know, they're well-played, but they're not, 
that you know they're they're zero zero or one nothing or two one games at best. And I'm wondering what the what the actually is the best spectacle. What what is it that people really want to see? Well, well you mentioned that, and uh, it's certainly an interesting point. The the game's going this way. The weekend, the all one one zero zero yeah. zero matches. Uh, it, it's interesting to see. I know we're talking to Frank about it. Do you think an away goals rule could make a change there? Obviously, a zero zero result uh, with an away goals rule not not as good at all. Uh, as a zero-zero result now. Yeah, I think in a way, I think away goals would be great. Um, I, I, my memory is that one one year they tried it, but but I can't really remember when it was. But I, I think away goals would be a terrific thing. I think anything that that forces teams to open up is good because uh, soccer is a game where uh, a good athletic team can shut down a good skillful team you know we both know that and all the fan, all the fans know that and it would be good i think to have to have things that force that force teams to go for it and uh going into these final this final leg of the playoff series uh the revs facing the red bulls obviously zero zero the other three results the home team will be down one to nothing yeah. uh, do you see any upsets uh in these matches obviously chicago would be a good good result for the revs uh, should Chicago win? Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you, do you think that any of these teams have what it takes to hold on to that one goal lead? I, I don't know. It's again, it's again, it's hard because, of course, when you when you do have a one goal lead, uh, whichever team it is, it does force the other team to come out of to come out of their shell and to and to push. And you know, I'm sure that each one of these teams is sitting down now and just thinking, you know, during the regular season, um, do we have the capacity against uh, opponent X at home to get two or more goals? And if they do, they may play their regular game. If they don't, they may push. If they start to push, the other team may get a counterattack. And we may see, you know, the teams that are coming in with a 1-0 lead end up with a 2- or 3-0 lead. I think that's, again, that's what's fascinating. And in getting that, getting that goal away from home, even though it's not the away goal, you know, away goal rule, really is an interesting, uh, puts you in an interesting position. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Well, listen, uh, it'll be a pleasure. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this game Saturday. I think it's going to be a really interesting one. Yeah, it should be an excellent matchup, uh, the way that results pan out, especially the way the Red Bulls looked yeah. uh, in that away leg. Yeah, I think so. Well, keep up the great work at uh, RevsNet.com. Thanks so much, Sean. Take care. And that was uh, Jim Dow, a writer for RevsNet.com. Uh, we have a couple minutes left of the show here. Uh, again, looking at the results across the league, Houston Dynamo falling one one nothing to FC Dallas on a Clarence Goodson goal of all people. I believe it was just the second goal for FC Dallas. Uh, that's a kind of a surprising result. Obviously, Houston a very strong team. Dallas has been really struggling lately. Not a lot of wins at all. Danielson uh, came in and seemed to have changed the team negatively. They were playing, uh, having a negative impact on the team. They were playing really well to start the season. I thought they might be a contender. Uh, actually, for the MLS Cup, the way they're playing, uh, they played a lot stronger match against a very strong Houston Dynamo game. Houston Dynamo uh, team last night. That should be an interesting matchup. How that goes in the second leg? Yeah, definitely. I think you know it's always tough when you have an in-state rivalry. I mean, I think you can take out you know the sort of past performances and really you know throw them out the window, especially when you amp it up for the playoffs. You know, and as you know Jim was saying, the money's on the line. So you know you never really know. And I mean. They, they, you know, they make it to the finals of the ML, uh, the Open Cup. So, you know, they've they've had their run. So, you know, I mean, even if they have a, you know, a tough result, the Revs had a tough run in two, four, and one coming in. You know, the Red Bulls had their tough ending to the season. 
So, you know, I mean, teams are going to go through these kind of, you know, up and downs. And when you get to the playoffs, it's a whole new season. Who knows what's going to happen? And, of course, Houston without uh, Ricardo Clark for the duration of the playoffs. And a significant portion of next year for uh, him kicking Carlos Ruiz earlier in the season. Uh, obviously, that adds a little bit of passion to that to that match there with um, the with that with those problems there. So that will be interesting to see how that turns out uh, going in the second leg. I certainly expect that to be an emotional match between those two uh really bitter rivals. It'll be interesting to see what, if any, impact the Nielsen plays and whether he'll be back next year. I think I think uh, how this turns out might may have a huge impact on whether he's back next year. Didn't even play a minute of that last game uh, for a very big-name signing for Dallas. Got to be disappointed. Yeah, I think if you're Dallas front office, you got to really, you know, not like to see what happened. I mean, luckily the deal is sort of a, you know, an 18 month, you know, with an option for that. I think it's a club option. So, I mean, I think, you know, it, it really was sort of a low risk signing, but it really ended up really putting them back a couple steps, which, I mean, was really probably the worst thing that could happen for them at that point. And the other result out in the Western Conference, uh, Kansas City, really an Eastern Conference team that got switched over there for the uh, new playoff playoff format. Davey Arno scoring a free kick goal early on. Uh, Brad Guzon probably should have done better on that shot. He had about he was about 35 yards out. The the shot wasn't that well placed. It bounced. It went around the wall. Uh, it might have deflected. But really, Guzon, I don't think he read it that well. Wasn't expecting the shot. Uh, Arno caught him out. Uh, works well for the Wizards. Wizards held on to that match. Uh, they had a couple of other chances too. They might have done better on. Eddie Johnson uh, had a couple of breaks that he didn't control as well as he probably should have. But that's going to be an interesting matchup. Chivas USA, of course, finishing the West in first, having an incredible home record uh, throughout the season. But Kansas City, a team that really started the season strong as well, uh, a similar situation to FC Dallas, who really haven't been playing as well lately. Uh, what do you expect from that matchup? Well, I think, as you said, uh, Chivas really had a great season. I think, you know, Guzan had one mistake. I don't think you'll see him, you know, make another mistake in the next leg. So, really, it's going to be up to whether or not, you know, the offense can move forward. And I think, you know, you've seen the way that they've been able to score this year, that, it, you know, especially when they get at the Home Depot, that I think they'll end up, you know, taking that probably 2-1 to one in, the, in the overall leg. But, you know, I mean, really, if they give up another goal somehow, you know, all hell is going to break loose on that one. And you never know with Kansas City. Two very fast fours up top and Eddie Johnson and Scott Sealy. You know, one defensive miscue. That's a team that can really kill you there. So that should be make for a very interesting matchup with uh, Kansas City going in there with a one nothing lead. And then, of course, the Chicago-D.C. game, which is going to take place on Thursday. Chicago with a one-goal lead there. Chicago still uh, in five playoff matches against D.C. has yet to concede a goal. Uh, the Reds are going to be hoping that that continues. Yeah, I think, you know, DC has really had their struggles in the playoffs. I'm not sure whether it's a tactical thing or a personnel you know, mistake with them, but, you know, they've really had their struggles. So I could really see, you know, DC falling out again in the first round. Yeah, not a lot of luck for DC against Chicago lately uh, in the playoffs. And DC at all in the playoffs lately. They're a team that's won, uh, what is it, four MLS Cups now. Uh, so certainly a team that's been successful in the past, a team that's going to want to return to that success. Yeah, especially with this year having the whole field advantage all the way into the finals with the game being in D.C. You know, it's really a make-or-break kind of year for them. And again, the Revolution game this weekend taking place at uh, 7.30 p.m. at Gillette Stadium on Saturday. Should be a very interesting matchup there, of course. Basically like a one-game playoff series there with the first game ending 0-0. Uh, we'll be back next week right here on Revolution Recap, 7 p.m. on WNRI. I'd like to thank Dave for joining me today. I'd like to thank Jim for joining us earlier. And I'd like to thank Frank for joining us on the phone as well. We'll be back next week, and you get the archives at revolutionrecap.com. Fifty years of service to the Blackstone Valley, this is WNRI Woonsocket.